Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. This ministry is committed to bringing apostolic alignment and restoration of the values and principles of the Kingdom of God to the body of Christ. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. First of all, I wanted to say thank you to Mike and his organizing committee for the invitation that he they have extended to me to be here with you today. I consider it an honor and a privilege to address you this morning and to share not just from Scripture but from my own walk with the Lord that spans over 40 years, especially on this theme that we call Father-Son relationships. Of all the transitions that I have gone through in my walk with the Lord over 40, almost 41 years. This one is the most fruitful, the one that I enjoy the most, the one that I, it seems like it fits me the most. If there is any title that I would like to be called by, it's Father. That's, that's just who I am. And who you are is what you produce. Amen? Amen. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take us on a journey. We're going to have two sessions, then in between, we're going to have a couple of testimonies. Then I'm going to ask my son, who is accompanying me on this trip. By the way, I am very blessed to have him here with me for the second time in Florida. God has orchestrated uh, such a wonderful um, release and a plan for him to be able to step out of the marketplace, out of the business world, onto the platform of being in full-time ministry, being with me, learning, sharing, and experiencing some of the things that we experience as we travel together. So, I'm going to uh, be laying a foundation to what we're going to be speaking this morning in both of the sessions. The title of my messages this morning are Understanding the Concept of Fathers and Sons. Understanding, so if you're taking notes, you can put on the top of your notes, understanding the concept of fathers and sons. Now, I'm going to minister to you something that I have lived for the last 15 years. It's not something that I heard someone teach or preach or something that I read in a book or even in the Bible. It's something that I have lived and devoted my life and my ministry for the last 15 years. I recall a number of years ago, to be exact, 20 years ago, I was at a place just outside of Cape Town. Mark and Marion loved that place, Hermanus, that I used to go to be alone with the Lord to fast and pray for a few days. And during that time, I'm speaking about 20 years ago, it was a time that I was very frustrated with my ministry, frustrated with myself. I, it just seems that I wasn't going anywhere, just spinning wheels. But I wasn't seeing the fruit and the results that God had promised me. I had wonderful promises from the Lord, but those promises were not yet fulfilled. And I began to question the Lord. Why? It was during those days of fasting and prayer that the Lord spoke to me very clearly. And he said, when you reach the age of 50 and beyond, you're going to see the fulfillment of the promises that I've given to you. And you're going to experience much fruitfulness in your ministry. Well, I didn't know exactly what he was talking about. Why 50 and beyond? Is there something special about the year 50 or the number 50? No. 
But it was at that time when God transitioned my ministry from being a pastor or a pulpit personality. I loved the pulpit and the ministry at one time more than I loved God's people. And this is the trap that many ministers of the gospel fall into. They fall in love with the ministry, they fall in love with the pulpit. And instead of loving God's people and devoting their lives to serving and equipping and training and ultimately releasing them, they are more concerned about their ministry, how to grow their kingdom rather than growing God's people. And that is an abuse of the ministry. And it was during that time in my 50s when God began to deal with me with the idol of ministry. And I went through a process of death. And it was during those days of transition at the age of 50 where God transitioned my ministry from being a pastor or a pulpit personality to one of being a father and started taking care and noticing those that God has placed around me, especially these young men, how responsible I am to devote my life and invest all that God has given me into the next generation. That is why the Lord said to me, when you're 50 and beyond, you are going to experience great fruitfulness in the ministry. Not because of the number 50, but because of my mindset being changed and transitioning into a father, into one who cares more for his sons than for his own self. And so this is what we're going to be talking about this morning, and I'm going to share some experiences from my own journey of 40 years of how the Lord transitioned me from one phase of ministry into the next, from a believer to a disciple, from a disciple to being commissioned into an evangelist, from an evangelist into a pastoral ministry, and from a pastoral ministry into an apostolic and prophetic ministry. And at every turn and in every transition, there was always a father figure there to take me through those transitions. If there is one thing that fathers do by their very nature, is that they transition us from one state into another from one state of glory into another state of glory, from one state of fruitfulness into another state of fruitfulness. That is why this message that I'm ministering to you today is, I believe, one of the most important and vital messages that the church in the United States desperately needs. It is one of the fundamental principles of the kingdom of God, foundational, to being able to bear fruit, fruit that remains from one generation to the next. God is the God of the generations, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. We see that true multiplication only took place on the third generation with Jacob. And each one of us has a responsibility not only to being a son, but also being a father and becoming a father to someone else. So let's lay a foundation, and I'm going to take my foundational scripture from a very well-known portion of the Bible in Malachi chapter 4, beginning with verse 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. When we speak about fathers and sons, we're referring to daughters as well. There is no gender in the spirit. There is neither male nor female. I have many sons, and I have many daughters in the Lord. And most of them are in ministry today. Others are in the, in the marketplace, accountants, nurses, um, you name it. They're all over the place. In, in, it's not just for ministers of the gospel. And it's not just for males. This is for females as well. Amen. Now, 
you see that the Old Testament closes with a prophetic statement. God makes a prophetic statement and he promises that before the coming of the Lord, he would send the prophet Elijah. Now, his primary purpose, the primary focus of the spirit of Elijah, which is a prophetic fathering spirit, is to turn hearts towards God. That is why his main message was, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repentance has to do with turning. His primary focus was to turn hearts toward, to, toward God, the one true God, away from idols, unto the true Lord, and to turn hearts towards one another, primarily fathers and sons. Now, in doing so, the curse of fatherlessness will be lifted from the earth, and divine order would be restored, paving the way for the coming of the Lord. Now, 400 years of silence followed after that prophetic statement. For 400 years there was a complete silence. The New Testament opens with the fulfillment of that prophetic utterance that, uh, that, that prophet Malachi said concerning the coming of Elijah the prophet. John the Baptist appears on the scene. He was not Elijah, but he came in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. And what was his primary focus and his primary purpose as a prophet and a father to the nation of Israel? We read in Luke chapter 1 verse 17 the following, And he, that is John the Baptist, shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. As you can see, John the Baptist became a partial fulfillment of that promise. Because that promise is still being fulfilled in our day and age. There is a company of prophetic people being released today on the earth, sent primarily to the church. And the primary focus and purpose was to bring restoration to the body of Christ and prepare the bride of Christ for the second coming of the Lord. That is their focus. That is the primary goal of their ministry. Now, John the Baptist did just that, as it was written of him. The coming together of fathers and sons and bridging the gap between the generations paved the way for the appearing of the Lord Jesus and his ministry to the nation of Israel. Jesus could not appear until John the Baptist came first and prepared the way. His entire message was, prepare ye the way of the Lord. What was he preparing them for? He was preparing the nation for the greatest transition that the nation has ever known. So we see here, John the Baptist, not just as a prophet, but as a father figure in Israel, preparing the nation for a major shift in the spirit. His entire ministry was a ministry of preparation. Now, as far as we know, John the Baptist didn't heal anyone physically. He didn't raise anyone from the dead. But what he did was to awaken a spiritually dead nation. Amen. Through his message and through his ministry. He awakened a nation out of their spiritual slumber. By the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ, by his very own words, Jesus declared that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet up until the time that was born of a woman. Yet he never did one miracle. He never raised anyone from the dead. Sometimes we put emphasis, greater emphasis, where the least emphasis is in the scriptures. Amen. Now, this is the words of Jesus. Luke 
chapter 7, verse 28, For I say to you, among those born of woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. What was his ministry? It was primarily to transition the nation into a state of readiness to receive the ministry of the Lord. And I say this to you prophetically this morning, that that same spirit is on the earth today Amen. and within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ upon a company of prophetic people whose primary focus in ministry is to transition us from a state of lukewarmness and barrenness into a state of fruitfulness by turning our hearts back to God and back towards one another. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That is the truth. This is what fathers primarily do. This is a foundational principle in the Bible. By the very nature and impartation, they reposition and transition us from one state into another. They help to align us, as Prophet spoke last night. Alignment is vitally important. And, 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 and I believe that one of my primary strengths in ministry is to help people align themselves with God, with His Word, and with those whom God has called them to walk with. Now, when the heart of the fathers turns to their offspring, both natural and spiritual, and the hearts of the sons and daughters turn to their fathers, a spiritual revolution takes place. Hear me. A spiritual revolution takes place. A major shift takes place in the Spirit, which enables the Spirit of God to be released with great power and with great might within the house of God. We see major, huge churches today, huge ministries being built on the charisma of an individual, yet when that individual passes, there is no one that has been prepared, no one as a son in the house to take over or to step into that person's ministry. So what do they do? They hire and fire. The church in America has become like a business today. We have board of directors and CEOs rather than elders and deacons and according to the biblical pattern of the New Testament. And God is very grieved about the way we deal with His church. Hallelujah! Fathers are to raise sons. That is the glory of the Father. When I have my son with me, the walk that I have walked with him and he has walked, he's my pride and joy. Amen. You know, Tony Fitzgerald is the father of the movement that we are part of, an apostolic movement called Church of the Nations. You know, he says, I travel around, he oversees churches and raises sons in over 52 nations. He carries tremendous wisdom within his heart and we've learned so much from this from this father heart of this man. He says, usually what pastors ask me was the wrong questions. How many people you have in your church? <laughs> and he keeps saying to them, why do you ask me the wrong questions? Why do you not ask me how many sons have I raised who are reaching the thousands today? I know my ministry is not to preach to thousands. It is to raise sons who will preach to thousands. Amen? Amen? So, as one generation, that's why I say to you, a spiritual revolution takes place when the hearts of the fathers turns to the spiritual and natural children and the hearts of the children, both natural and spiritual, turn to the fathers. A revolution takes place in the house of God and in the marketplace. As one generation communicates to the next through the restored relationship, inheritance, 
wisdom, knowledge, and the experience of the many years walk with the Lord, sons are being lifted on the shoulders of their fathers. Glory to God. And they are transitioned into a state of fruitfulness and blessing. They are able to see further than we have seen. They are able to hear things we have not seen. Because they're not launching the ministry or the work from ground zero, but they are launching it from a foundation that has been prepared and an inheritance that has been passed on to them. Amen. So the anointing continues to double. That's why Elisha received a double portion. And if he was successful in raising Gehazi to be a son unto Elisha, Gehazi would have received a triple portion of the anointing that was upon Elisha. But Gehazi did not stand in his place. He rebelled. He became greedy and selfish. And as a result, not only did he lose his inheritance, but the nation of Israel lost someone that would have been able to do three times as much as his grandfather Elijah did. Spiritual fathers carry within their very DNA keys which unlock doors by the very nature of who they are. Doors which were closed before us. They shift us in the spirit and they release us into our own destiny. That's what fathers do. Well, at least they should do. Now, I believe this is my personal conviction, knowing what I know, experiencing what I've experienced over 40 years of walk with the Lord. Without proper mentoring and without proper spiritual fathering, it is doubtful whether we will reach our destination and fulfill our God-given purpose. I am absolutely convinced of that. Over the course of my walk with the Lord, as I mentioned to you, I have known three spiritual fathers beside my own biological father. All of them, including my own biological father, had a unique and an important role in my upbringing and in my spiritual growth and development. And I'm going to explain some of these things I'm sharing with you. Now, my biological father, remember what we're talking about. Fathers transition sons. Fathers transition us from one state into the next. And some of those stages they transition us might not be very pleasant, might be very painful. Hello? It's not all a bed of roses. If you do not go through these transitions in your walk with the Lord, if you're a minister of the gospel or if you're a businessman, in whatever sphere of life you've been called, if you refuse to go through these transitions, you will remain a seed that's never been planted, that's never gone through process of being buried and resurrected. And some of these transitions are very painful. So my biological father was instrumental in transitioning me from one country to the next, from the country of my birth, which was Cyprus. And at the age of 13, he took me with him to a land of South Africa. Now, we're at the appointed time in South Africa. I had an encounter with the Lord and I was born again. My transition from Cyprus to South Africa at the age of 13 years of age was very traumatic and terribly painful. You cannot imagine. Imagine a 13-year-old sitting in a class of people, much younger than I was, ridiculing, mocking, because I couldn't speak a word of English. They would talk to me. I didn't know what they were talking about. I was lost. 
I left all of my friends that I knew, the school that I, that I had finished and grown up with, and all of a sudden I was plugged up from one place and planted into the next, and I was totally, totally lost. It was a terrible, painful experience. As a result of that experience, I became very rebellious, disobedient to my parents, which resulted in my drifting away from the covering of my parents and I left home at the age of 16. From the age of 16 until the day I was born again just before my 24th birthday, I experienced hell on earth. Those years of my youth, of my teenage years were lost and I will never get them back. The terrible loneliness and the rejection I have felt, it was too, too, too painful to describe. Thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But it was a preparation for my conversion. If I had not gone through that transition, my heart would have still been closed and I would have never have received the Lord Jesus Christ into my life. So I thank God for every trial, for every test, for every battle, for every pain, because all of those things have worked together to bring me to the place where I am today. I have done a mental survey and the, the people that I went to school with, the, the, the friends, not one of them has been saved to this day or born again. And if I remained in Cyprus, I doubt very much whether I would have received the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. The very first thing the Spirit of God prompted me to do when I got born again was to reach out to my father with a broken and a repentant and a tearful heart. I wrote him a letter. I will never forget that day, the tears I shed when I addressed and penned that letter to my dad. I grieved for the pain I had caused him, of the disrespect, the dishonor. The re you see, the spirit of Elijah, the spirit of the Lord touched my heart. What happened? It turned to my father. That's what happens when the Lord touches you. That's why I don't believe that anyone is really touched unless there's a genuine heart of brokenness and repentance and a fruit Amen. of repentance in his life. Amen. My heart had turned. I wrote that letter and I said, Dad, please forgive me for all the pain I have caused you, for the rebellion, the dishonor, the grief. And I sent that letter out. I didn't expect my dad to forgive me, but he did. And I was glad I did it. Now, my transition from Cyprus to South Africa that's why I say to you, fathers transition sons and daughters. Paved the way and prepared me to receive the Lord Jesus into my own heart and life. The next father figure the Lord brought into my life was my father-in-law. I came into a home of a loving family. My father-in-law was a family man. He loved his children. He devoted his life, both him and his wife, to help his children become successful in their sphere of endeavors. One of the primary ways he was helpful is that he set up all of his children financially well off as a result of his influence in the marketplace and in the business community. Now, through his mentoring, we're speaking about fathers and sons. As a young man, growing up rebellious, didn't know what it means to have a father in the house because I disrespected my own father. Through his mentoring and discipline, the Lord was able to break down my stubbornness, my rebellion, and my pride. Was that easy? <laughs> he was the one who chastised me the most. 
Fathers are there not only to love and affirm and encourage, but they are there to discipline in love. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says the heart of a child is bound with foolishness, but the rod of correction will drive it away from him. Now, he didn't use a rod. I was too old for that. But he used his words and he used his actions and chastised me severely. I still remember those days. In the beginning, I didn't realize what his role was in my life. I was blind to the fact that God put him there as a father figure in my life. So I fought with him. I rebelled with him until one day the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and he showed me who he really was. Spiritual fathers are recognized in the Spirit. Amen. And unless you recognize whom God places in your life and for what purpose He places that person in your life, you will not align yourself to that person. Amen. You will kick against the bricks, right. you will rebel, and that's what I did the first few months. Almost every day we had an argument and we had a fight. Until one day in prayer the Lord opened my eyes and I saw my father-in-law as an instrument that was sent from God to disciple me, to chastise me, and to break down those things that were hindering my spiritual growth and development. When God opened my eyes and I saw... I began, I sat down and I, write, I wrote him also a letter. <laughs> Sometimes you cannot say in word face to face what you want to say. And sometimes I do that with my Heavenly Father. I write him a love letter. And I sat down and I wrote him a letter of honor and I asked him to forgive me for my rebellion and I promised him from this day forward I will honor and respect him. When I did that, heaven opened over my life. That was the day that the floodgates of heaven just opened up and the blessing just flowed. You know what he did next? I was working for him at that time with my wife as an assistant in his, in his business. For two years, he walked over to my wife and he said, here is the keys for this supermarket, this business, I'm giving it to you and to your husband. I don't want any money. We have a certain fittings and fixtures and stocks about whatever, how many thousands it was. He said, you can pay me whenever you can. Here I was a pauper struggling financially to meet my needs. And the very next week, I was an owner of a business. That didn't just happen. If I had not given him the submission and the honor and the respect that was due to him, heaven would still have been closed over me. <laughs> Lord, I still remember those days. They were difficult, they were painful, but they were so beneficial for my spiritual growth. He was used by the Lord, definitely, no doubt, as a father figure. My father-in-law helped transition my wife and I. That's why I said to you, fathers transition their children. He transitioned my wife and I from a state of poverty into a state of prosperity and abundance in our financial affairs. The foundation that my father-in-law helped put beneath our feet to this day, that financial platform, helped us build at an early stage of our marriage, helped to carry us financially even to this day. I was set up for life. When we moved into South Africa, sold our business, moved into a full-time ministry, on our green paper, the residence permit declared financially independent at an age of 39 years of age. Bought our house cash, bought our cars cash. We, we were set up. That was the foundation. But who helped? I received an inheritance. You see, sons are entitled to inheritance. Orphans have no inheritance. For they have to fight and sweat and struggle for every little thing they get. Yes, sir. 
sons don't have to he is a living proof <laughs> he's never even had to send his resume out for a job the moment he finished school one of our elders was running an IT company approached Stephen gave him a job and he worked his way up for 12 years and he became a manager of the whole entire team didn't have to go look for anybody ask anybody for a job at the end of his term God used me as his father to transition him from a state, from a business community into the ministry. He never had to do anything. Even his wife came as part of that inheritance. <laughs> I understood then, and I pray to God that God will give you ears to hear today and eyes to see. And a heart to understand because what I'm sharing with you can transform your life. I don't care which stage of your life you are at. I understood then that the key to releasing the Father's blessing and the Father's inheritance into our lives is honor. 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 When we give honor to fathers in our lives, Recognize who they really are. We empower them, that is fathers, to transition us into places both in the spirit and in the natural where we have never been before. Nor could we ever go on our own. Someone has to take us there. A few days before my father-in-law passed on in the year of, was in the 90s, I had a dream. And in the dream I saw him wrapped up in a sheet, white sheet, leaving this earth. As he was leaving, I heard him say to someone, I am leaving this earth, but I am leaving behind a son who is destined to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the nations of the earth. And the Lord showed me that out of all his children, I was his glory. To this day, I honor his memory. He was a tough man. He was not a mushy, you know, uh, how can I put it? Uh, he had a meaner that if you didn't know him, you wouldn't approach him. <laughs> he was a serious man. But his heart was a heart of gold. And God enabled me to see his heart. To this day, I honor his memory. And I thank God for placing him into my life at a very early age. At the age of 24 years of age. And even though he caused great pain in my life, it had served the Lord's purposes. There are no perfect fathers. And there are no perfect sons. But God has just the right one for you. <laughs> at the right stage where you are. Sometimes you need a tough one. Because you're stubborn. You're proud, you're arrogant, you're rebellious. And you need someone whose forehead is as flint as a stone and he would not budge, he would stand there and stare at you in the face. He would not yield, he would not bow and he would not compromise until you break. And Jesus said, I am that stone. You can either choose to fall on that stone and be broken or not. That stone will fall upon you and will crush you to powder. I'd rather fall on the stone rather than the stone falling on me. And some of us, especially in the ministry pastors, we think that we are the pride and joy and we think we are and the world revolves and the church revolves against us, uh, oh, around us. You are not indispensable, my friend. Amen. And unless you're willing to break, 
you're going to cause so much damage to yourself, to your family, and you're going to cause so much hurt and pain to the body of Christ. And you will be an embarrassment and a reproach to the body of Christ. A week doesn't go by, a month doesn't go by that I hear of this pastor going on, running off with his secretary. The other day was in the headlines of our main newspaper in Cape Town, this assistant pastor molested 83 children, pedophile. I'm sick of these things. I'm sick and tired of what we've done to the ministry and what we're doing to the body of Christ. We've lowered our standards to such an extent. Why? So that we can gather the crowds and fill up our coffers. Jesus never ministered with that mindset. He filtered the crowd. They were running after him and said, Stop! Count the cost before you come after me. Unless you're willing to take up your cross and die on it and follow me daily, you're not worthy to be my disciple. Today we've lowered those standards. Come to Jesus and get, and get the blessing and get peace. What? I've never heard anybody say, come to Jesus and lose your head. Or lose your life. And especially this kind of humanistic gospel is being preached and propagated from this country to all over the world. And you are going to be responsible for that. You are responsible. I don't know what got me on that subject. That's not my subject anyway this morning. <laughs> the next father figure the Lord connected me to was Father Eusebio Stefano, a Greek Orthodox priest, born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit during the 60s, and became the leader of the Orthodox Charismatic Renewal. When God called me as an evangelist into the ministry, He called me to go to my Orthodox people. He said, you give them water to drink in their own cup. Now through His ministry, the Lord not only encouraged me greatly in my ministry, because He was the only priest that I have received any encouragement or support from. The rest all persecuted me, including the bishops, the archbishop, I was kicked out of the Orthodox Church literally, physically, three times. Literally. I was excommunicated in front of my wife and my children. My name was, was, was written in the Greek magazines in the communities of Zimbabwe and South Africa, of Greece, everywhere. This man understood my calling. This man understood my heart. And this man was my support, moral and spiritual, and comforted me through them. He was the only one, and through his father's love, the Lord helped transition. We're speaking about father's transition. Transitioned my local ministry in Zimbabwe to an international outreach to the Greek communities all over the world. He was the catalyst, the influence that literally took my ministry from one level of local into an international level. And people began to communicate with me from the United States, from Australia, from New Zealand, from Canada, all over the world. Now, through his influence, Father's influence is tremendous. They open up doors for you. The, you, you gain favor that you did not work for. And through this priest's influence and connections, the Lord opened up doors for me that I could not have possibly opened myself. When the Lord turned my heart to this man as a father, and his heart, father's heart turned to me as a son, and our hearts connected, when I sensed that connection in my spirit, I ran after him. I pursued him diligently. And that is the role of the son, not the father. 
It is not the father who pursues sons. It is the son that pursues the father and receives or grabs fatherhood out of him. Through his attitude, through his submission, through his honor, just pulls that fatherhood out of him. I literally ran after him in the spirit, like Elisha did with Elijah. I devoured all of his books. I listened to all of his messages, day and night, night and day. You know, during one of the sessions with him in the spirit, God showed me. I will never forget that day when I traveled from Zimbabwe, left my family, my wife and my three little children, and I went for seven weeks and sat at his feet in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It was the first time, 1987, that I traveled to the United States of America for one reason, to meet this man who transformed my life through his ministry, through his pen letters. I would, I would wait uh, so impatiently for the next letter to come. It was like he was giving me water in a thirsty and dry land. And during one of the sessions, one to one, when I sat in his, in his office, the Spirit of the Lord showed me that I was born again as a result of this man's tears and prayers for the Orthodox Greek people. He said, son, you are born again because this man prayed long before he even knew you. His heart was broken over the Greek Orthodox people. He devoted his entire life and ministry for the revival of the Greek Orthodox people. He said, you born again because this man labored for you. It's the first time I heard those words from the, I've never heard this from the lips of anyone, but from the Spirit of God. And I shared that with him, how I valued his ministry. He went on to be with the Lord at the ripe old age, 95 years of age. Both my father-in-law went on to be with the Lord, and this spiritual father went on to be with the Lord. Our recognition and openness to spiritual fatherhood, folks, enables the fathers in our life whom God places there to release us and to release on us and impart to us what they primarily carry. As we position ourselves as sons to these fathers, you see alignment, positioning. Our brother spoke last night. Alignment. As we position ourselves beneath these fathers, by honoring them, by serving them, they release the blessing of inheritance, not just a blessing, but an inheritance on us and on our children, and on our children's children. The Apostolic Father, I'm going to conclude my message with giving you this now, the last one, who is present, my Apostolic Father. Some of you met him, Pastor Ken Turner, he is around the age of 75, 77, I think, actually. The Apostolic Father to whom I'm connected to now for the last 20 years have helped shape my ministry to what it is today. Not so much by teaching, but through influence and support. Sometimes, just the influence and the support they give you, they help carry you through a difficult time or a transitional time. The value of spiritual fathers, listen to me, is not so much in what they do for you, but in who they are. Hello? They are there for you. It is in what they carry within their bosom. When I looked at this man one day, the Spirit of God says to me, you're looking at your future. <laughs> I've never heard that before. I'm looking at a face of a man and he says, I'm look you're looking at your future. Because this man is going to take you in your future. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? These are mysteries, hidden mysteries of the kingdom that cannot be understood any other way but by the revelation of the Spirit. We are talking about the wisdom of God and the ways God does things in our lives today. He said, you're looking at your future. And I knew what the Spirit of God was saying. This man, and through the anointing and the influence and the connections on his life, is going to take you into your future. Hallelujah. Is he perfect? No. None of us are. There were times when I wanted to leave. But that was my flesh. And we must learn to master the flesh because if you give in to it, it will take you right out of God's perfect will of you for your life and it will destroy your destiny in the Lord. Yes, sir. That's right. Put the flesh under. Yes, sir. Amen. I've been walking with him now for 20 years. And I have seen the blessing that God has brought into my life as a result of this man's influence. Through my connection and alignment with him, my ministry transitioned from one of being a pastor to one of being an apostolic figure today. If it was not for him, I would still be pastoring my local church after 25 years and I would remain I would have become a prisoner in my own church. You know, many people start a church and they become a prison to it. They have no one to leave. They cannot get out. And for a number of years I felt caged in like an eagle with broken wings. And I knew that I was destined to fly as an eagle, but I couldn't. I was in prison. Someone had to come and take me out of that prison. Hello? The influence of this man helped transition me into a fathering apostolic figure. And during this time of the transition, just before the transition, our church in Cape Town was going through major shaking and very difficult times. Rebellion was running rampant in our church. People were leaving the left and right, and without his guidance and without his support, the enemy would have destroyed both my ministry and the church. But that's what fathers do. They come and cover. You know how many churches that are in the United States today that are not properly covered? You ask them, who's your your covering? Oh, they've got, they give me a name so far distant. I said, do you have a relationship with, no, that's not covering. This is not biblical covering anyway. Amen. Independent. When you have an independent pastor in an independent church, you become a target for satanic attacks. And sooner or later, he's going to take you out. He's going to take out your family. He's going to take out... That's what the enemy tried to do for me in my life in Cape Town. This man came along. When I, when I submitted my ministry to him, his presence there began to cover the entire church. You know that I could not raise up sons until I became a son to this man? All right. Are you listening to me? Yes, sir. I labored for years and I could not raise one leader. I labored for years, I could not raise one son. The moment I submitted my ministry to this man, and became a son to him and served him and served his ministry, I started bringing forth sons. You cannot become a father unless you learn how to be a son first. Jesus, the Bible says, he started as a child. Behold, a virgin shall bear a child. The child became a man and then he became a father. Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father. These are the different stages of everyone who's born again and is willing to be disciples. Some of us remain in a babyhood stage. As I align myself to Pastor Ken...
came under his authority and covering and submitted my ministry to him. And, and at that time, listen, my ministry was bigger than his. It has nothing to do how big your ministry yes, is. Amen. It has everything Amen. to do with your heart attitude. Yes, and I was willing to humble myself to this man and submitted both my life and my ministry as well as the church. I was introduced to what we call apostolic alignment. <laughs> I was aligned, man. Amen. <laughs> I was aligned. What he had came on me. He's a father. He has sons and daughters. So that same anointing came upon me. The whole Church of the Nations movement is one of the fathering uh, movement. It's one of the foundational principles of Church of the Nations. The kingdom of God is advanced through fathers and sons. We teach that right through. It's in our DNA. It's in our blood. It's in our culture. It's in our mindset. And I want to say this to you. As you connect with the spiritual father and begin to walk with that person whom God placed in your life, he imparts to you what he carries. And through impartation, you are positioned and transitioned to what you're supposed to be. And I know... My connection to the right spiritual father helped release me to go further and fulfill my prophetic and apostolic destiny. And at every turn, as I mentioned to you, in every transition in my walk with the Lord, there was always a father figure present. Always. The key was recognizing them. Someone said, if God would give you a father, would you receive him? Many would not. There are many pastors today, ministers of the gospel, wonderful giftings, as well as leaders in every sphere of life who have great dreams and great visions from God. I don't doubt the dreams are from God. I don't doubt that the, that the visions have been given to them. They have a genuine anointing and a genuine gifting and a genuine uh, calling on their lives. But unless they are willing to submit to a father figure somewhere in their lives, their dreams will never materialize and they will never fulfill their destiny in the Lord. And that is the honest truth. This is a fundamental law in the kingdom of God that unless we recognize spiritual authority and submit to it as unto the Lord, we will never be released into our own authority. Authority without authority is no authority. That's kingdom. We will take our dreams to the grave with us and we will never see the realization of it. You need to know, folks, every one of us needs to know, to whom has God connected you to? You need to know, to whom are you accountable to? Who do you go when you are in trouble? Who do you go when you rejoice, when you want a battle? Who is the first name to, who, to whom you run to? It could be your father, and you haven't recognized that. Or maybe you have no one. Maybe you're still an orphan to this day. You need to know who has the keys to releasing you into your own destiny in the Lord. They have the keys. The keys of your destiny is in the hands of your Father. They're not there to replace our Heavenly Father. They are there to point us to our Heavenly Father. And to enable us to experience a taste of a little bit here on earth what our Heavenly Father is like. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. You would love your children to come and say to you, Dad, if, if, if the Heavenly Father is anywhere close to who you are, I, I long, I love to meet Him. I can't wait to meet Him. I love my children. I sacrifice for them. To this day, I raised three of them with my wife. Never, ever, one day did they give us 
an ounce of trouble or rebellion. I thank God for them. Folk, this is what I'm sharing with you today. It's life. And I pray it'll become life to every one of you. In closing, I want to show you a little clip of one of my sons. He's now the pastor of the local church that we pioneered with my wife. Some of you have met him. His name is Michael Morris. When he came to us, over 15 years ago, he was so green and wet behind the ears, had no boundaries, didn't know how to manage his money. But you will hear it from him. He's a wonderful son in the Lord. I couldn't have asked. And he's also my son-in-law. You know, you guys who have daughters, make sure you raise sons, <laughs> spiritual sons to give them when it's time for them. And as we have sons, we raise, Stephen's wife is our spiritual daughter as well. I remember the first day she walked into our church, my heart just went out to her. I just hugged her in the spirit. And I, I knew I, I need to be a father to this young lady. I walked up to her one day and I said, Nicole, what's up? What's happening with you? Fine, Pastor. I said, um, how come your mother drops you every time goes back? She says, Pastor, I can't drive. I, I, I don't have my learner's life. I said, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And I began to father her and helped her to go through her learners and get her driver's license. Helped her, advised her how to buy her first car. That's what fathers do. They don't just stand behind the pulpit. They get involved in their children's Amen. lives. Amen. Today we have ministers. You have to go through 12 secretaries to get an appointment and probably a half a dozen guards, security guards, to approach them. Jesus was always approachable. Guys, what have we done to the church of our Lord Jesus? May God help us repent. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources and more information about this ministry, come and visit us at www.alphaomegaint.org.za.